This morning from Genesis chapter 1. In the beginning, when God created the heavens and the earth, the earth was a formless void and darkness covered the face of the deep, while a wind from God swept over the face of the waters. Then God said, let there be light, and there was light. And God saw that the light was good, and God separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night, and there was evening and there was morning the first day. May these words lead us to the heart of God. So in December, after a long year of only a few people in the sanctuary, more and more people began to come back. Then on Christmas Eve, full services with people coming for worship. Toward the end of those services, we began to lower the lights until we are sitting in darkness. And then I move with a candle to the altar where there is an Advent wreath and a white candle, the Christ candle, sitting in the middle. And I light that and then take the light from the Christ candle and light other candles. And we pass the light from candle to candle, from person to person until we see the light shining in the darkness. We celebrate in a dramatic visual way God sending light into the world and Christ being that light for you and me. In that experience, while we're lighting the candles, someone standing here begins to read and you hear these words as your candles are being illuminated one to another. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God, and it goes on to tell about creation and how life has been created. And then in verse 5, the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not overcome it. We celebrate Christ's birth. And God's light coming through the Word, as John says. Light coming into the world. And it's a wonderful way to celebrate our Christian faith. But notice John draws heavily upon the ancient faith of the Hebrew people from which Jesus came. John draws heavily on these verses we just read from the first chapter of Genesis. In the beginning, when God created the heavens and the earth, the earth was a formless void and darkness covered the face of the deep, while a wind from God swept over the face of the waters. Then God said, let there be light. And there was light. I would suggest to you that the Gospel of John is a theological reflection about God in the world. The Gospel of John is being written after the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And John's trying to make sense of what he has experienced and what others in his community have experienced. What is this all about, this Jesus of Nazareth? And John's conclusion is that Jesus was the Word of God and was God, 
and was with God in the beginning and nothing came into being without the Word being with God. And then later in that first chapter of John, he tells us that the Word has become flesh and dwells among us. It's John's effort to make sense of what he experienced, to make some meaning out of what he believes God is doing through Jesus in the world and in his life. But I would also suggest to you that this creation account in Genesis is also a theological reflection about God and the world. It is a claim that God is the creator of the world and brings light to an otherwise dark world. So important for us to grasp biblical literature and what is really here and that this is a book about God primarily, that this is a theological book. Because once we grasp that and internalize that, it helps us not only grow in faith, but it helps us with other kind of controversies that pop up from time to time, sometimes in churches, sometimes in the media, sometimes in our schools over evolution and creation. People confuse science and faith. Some want to use Genesis as a science book or historical record of creation rather than a theological book. This is not primarily a science book. Oh, it has history in it, but it's not primarily written to tell us history. It's primarily written to tell us about God and who God is and how God is at work in your life and how you can have a personal relationship with this God through Jesus Christ. Science deals with the how and tries to explain how things have happened. Faith is dealing with why and who God is, and how do we make sense of these lives that we've been given. This is a book of faith stories. This is a book primarily about God. It really helps us when we're reading Scripture if we'll keep asking ourselves, what is this telling us about God? And what is this trying to tell us about God and our relationship with God and how God is at work for good in our lives? Christian throughout the centuries have said this is the most reliable vehicle to help us understand God. If somebody wants to know more about God, this is the book. This is the place. But I can still remember back in Okmulgee High School where I grew up, the day we started talking about evolution in science class. And so many of my classmates who went to other churches were really distressed and disturbed because they'd been taught evolution is a no because we have this in the bible they've been taught by people who were confused thinking this is science rather than a book of faith we discussed it quite a bit in my group i said to many of them well no reason for science and the Bible to be at war. They're different things, but also one day to God and one day to us are not the same thing, perhaps. So that's one way to make sense of this. 
I thought it was a pretty good answer. It's biblical. I was 17. It helps some people. But it still kind of misses the point to a certain extent because it's still trying to make this into science instead of understanding it's primarily about faith. It's primarily about God. Because the focus of the story, even in Genesis, is not so much about creation as it is about God. We have to keep reminding ourselves this is a book focused on God, inspired by God, helping us understand God. God is the main actor here. God is the one creating. God is the creator. We said earlier in our affirmation of faith, if you were reading along with us, we believe in God who has created and is creating. Not a God who created once and stepped away and now we're on our own. We affirm that God is the one who created and is creating. God is the one who is still at work in our lives for good. For God is still not only creator, but the one who creates. It's God's very nature to be creative. And the authors of Genesis say this creation God saw as good and as a blessing to each and every one of us. If you read on through, you see that they take this vision they have, this pre-scientific story of the origins of things, and say there was nothing but chaos and darkness, a formless void, and out of that, God created order. As they go through the days, you begin to see the orders of light and dark, stars and the moon, the seasons. And these authors say when they see order that there is an order maker and they know who that is. They say, I can tell you who that is. That's the God we know who's with us, that leads us, who provides for us. They don't try to prove that there is a God. They assume there is a God because they've already had an experience of knowing this God is alive in their lives. And all they're saying is, let me tell you about the magnificent things that God has done for you and me. You can hear it as it goes on after the light. It says, God saw that the light was good, and God separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night, and there was evening, and there was morning the first day. And then the story unfolds in a beautiful poetic way how all things were created by God. And as you read on, God continues to create and put things in order. All that is needed for life and life abundant is provided for us. There is order, so there must be an order maker, these ancient authors say. And they're pointing us to the one, the one God that they tell us about later in the Hebrew Scriptures as the one who is the order maker. Reminded me of when my youngest daughter Hope was just in elementary school and she got into hair braiding and her mom Mary would help her and they would do different kinds of braids. French braids were pretty cool. Mary would French braid her hair, but every time it happened, when people would see her, they would say, who did that for you? Because you could see the pattern, you could see the order. 
People assumed when there was order in the hair, there was an order maker. Someone had acted with purpose, right? If you just get up and there's no purpose, hair looks different than if you try to put it in order. And it's really distinctive when it's braided and people could see it and they would wonder who. Because they knew it must be somebody acting with purpose. That's what Genesis is saying. We have a God who's acted with purpose, who's put things in order for us. And we can see it in nature. We can see it in creation. The authors of Genesis are telling us. There was a story I saw years ago, probably decades ago, about a man in New York City. It was one of these news magazine shows where they had taken their cameras out to interview this fellow. What he had done was purchase a big warehouse and set up a recycling project. But what was different about this project is the only people who could work there were homeless people. And not only did he pay them to work there, but he told them when they were hired that he would share all the profits with them as long as they continued to work in the business. And it began to tell about all the different people whose lives had been reclaimed and recreated in a sense by working there. Then they focused in on one particular individual and they followed him for a while and talked with him about the work he was doing in the warehouse during the day. But then they followed him into the night because this guy had noticed how much money aluminum cans could be worth if you brought them in to redeem them so he was working a shift in the day then he was going at night with a shopping cart and plastic bags and collecting as many cans and bottles as he could find they followed him during the night he filled up one bag and put it in the shopping cart and tied it up but then he continued and he filled up another bag and put it on top of the first then he went on and filled up a third bag and tied it to the side and then a fourth bag on the another side and then a, another bag on the back and another one on the front and then finally one on the very top. So by the time morning came and he took his shopping cart filled now with bags of recyclables back into the factory and they weighed them and totaled it up. He had made over $500 that day. And he told the interviewers when they were asking what was going on with his life now that he was no longer homeless. In fact, he had made enough money that he had bought his own home. That his life was dramatically different from before he had been given a chance to work in the warehouse and before he realized how much money he could make if he went out and collected some cans and bottles and turned them in. But it wasn't just his life. It was the life of scores of others whose lives were being changed there in New York City. But then they talked to the founder. And you could tell as he talked about it, his life had been changed too. He had had this vision, this desire to help people who were down on their luck and bring them back into the community and come up with this idea but it wasn't just an idea he had worked hard to put it into action to make it come true to go out and find the people and bring them in and to build trust and you could see it had changed his life as well 
But it was not only that they now had some economic means that they hadn't had before. You could see as they interviewed these different people who were formerly homeless that he had given them something much deeper than money. He'd given them their pride back. He'd given them dignity. He had invited them back into the community from which they had been marginalized so that they could feel like they were part of the world, part of humanity, where they were doing something constructive to contribute to the good of others, that they were helping clean up the world and protect precious natural resources. It was a phenomenal story. But as I read Genesis this week, I thought those kinds of stories are not just something we do as humans, but it's God's creative energy at work in the world. I think surely God is smiling when that kind of creativity comes out of any one of us and is poured into the community for the good of others. So as we enter into this new year, lots of people make resolutions. We know most people don't keep them. So there's lots of articles about how to do better. Part of that is kind of not a resolution, but a change of habit, maybe a clear goal that you share with the community as you go forward so you have support. So let me suggest when you begin to think about the new year, you think about what new thing God might be creating in your life. What new initiative might God be offering you as we enter into this new year? Because we believe that God did create, but that God is still creating. That's what this author wants to alert us to, that we have a God who cares, who's at work, not only who created, but is creating. Hear the good news. Our God is in the business of creating us and blessing us. You are included. We're all included, not only in God's creation, but in God's blessing. And God is at work in your world. Can you believe, will you believe that God is at work in your world right now? That God is offering you new life in this new year. That God is being creative because that's who God is. Even as you face whatever circumstances are before you. Our first two core values talk about One, that we affirm that everyone's a beloved child of God, but that two, this spiritual journey is a lifelong journey. Another way to say that is that God has created and God is creating. What role, what role will you play in God's creative work in the new year? Our scriptures tell us we all have a role to play. Every single one of us, none of us left out. All of us called. All of us given gifts to be a part of the creative work of God for the good of humanity and the good of the world. What role will you play this year? What creative thing might you do 
we have a choice. We can be creative or we can be destructive. What choice will you make? Amen. And thanks be to God.